the day I got out of jail, um, my first thing was, I think my mom took me to IHOP and I got a omelet. So if you're hungry, just look at this for a second, but give me about 40 minutes and we'll get through this. Listen, I hate tomatoes, but I put tomato salsa on and I ate it ever, all up because it was the only time I had salsa in a long time. So I went to IHOP and then my second place that uh, I went to was the courthouse and I went and submitted paperwork so that I could visit my daughter. That was like the first act of me getting out of jail. If you're new, welcome. <laughs> you can run now if you want. Um, but that's my story and what I did after that is I submitted some paperwork so that I could visit my daughter and then the next thing I did I was with my mother my mother was so graciously willing to take me there and we gave them papers saying hey I'm trying to resubmit visitation rights and then I asked her in front of my mom I said can I come and talk to my daughter's mom and we walked about 20 yards away from the front door and when I knocked on the door it was actually I won't even say that uh, I wasn't welcome into the house so I had to stay outside and I, I asked her to come outside and talk to her and so I, we went about 20 yards from the front door and I've been preparing this speech to give her about forgiveness so I said all these things I said it with a witness so that you know that, that it was appropriate and after I said about five minutes worth of stuff that I've been rehearsing for months now. You guys ever done that? Where you got something you got to rehearse over and over again. And I stumbled over my words and she said this. Are you done? And I said, I think so. And then she walked back in. It wasn't well received. And it wasn't because she was mean. It was because of the wreckage of what I had done. Does that make sense? I get why she didn't receive it well. It makes sense. When you're hurt and you're offended and you've been dragged through the mud, your first thing is like, oh, thank you. I've been waiting for that. Doesn't usually happen that way. And what happened after that was I, the reason why I did that is I started reading my Bible. I started reading in Matthew. And a couple of weeks ago, we did the Lord's Prayer. And in that, it said, if you forgive others, you will be forgiven. And so I was convicted. I'm like, man, I got some work to do. And so by the time I got out, the first thing I wanted to do was seek forgiveness because I was convicted and I felt like if I sought forgiveness, that would launch me into a place. And the truth is, as I look back, as I uh, meditate, contemplate, as I reflect on what God has done, I'm like, man, that was a great place of growth for me. Because I don't know if you guys know this. I know many of you are because you're great theologians in this room. But forgiveness is the foundation of Christianity. All other religions want something from you. But Christianity, they just want you to receive the forgiveness of your sins and the blessing of who God is. And that's where we begin today. And so here's a rhetorical question. And I said this first service and I want to say this second service. People come to church and they expect the pastor to be on fire, funny, uh, passionate, loving, great teaching, and all of that in 35 minutes or less, which could happen. But you also have a part, which is to be filled with the Spirit walking in, to do ministry and receive from what God is. And church has turned into this really awkward place where it's like, I'm the only one that needs to be spiritually provided for, and hopefully you guys get something, and it happens. But the truth is this. Here's a question I want to ask you. And I'm asking this because I want you to participate mentally as we go through today's message. 
where has forgiveness shaped your life? Or where has unforgiveness shaped your life or held you back? That's the question. And it's rhetorical, not that I don't want you to answer, but I want you to let the Spirit kind of bounce that around in your heart a little bit. And if there was a main point of the whole message, it comes on the screen with this quote. Forgiveness's job is not to change the past. I wish I would have walked up to uh, my daughter's mom and it would have just wiped away all the wreckage that I did, but it didn't. She still had wounds and, 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 and need, needly, uh, rightfully so, and so did my daughter. But its job is to help us, and when I say us, it helps the person that is seeking forgiveness to grow in the future. And that's kind of what happened to me, and I'm constantly working on this, super important. And here's the thing, when you live in unforgiveness, it blocks your faith. When you live in forgiveness, it unleashes or unblocks your faith so that you have this flowing love of God within you. And that's where we begin. So welcome. We are so grateful that you're here. This is the Psalm of Summer. We are going to go through a bunch of psalms this summer, and I am super excited because I have been wanting to teach on forgiveness since December 24th. I've been wanting to teach about forgiveness. I've been waiting and wanting to teach because I know it's the foundation of Christianity, and it's something that will help us kind of move forward. Uh, in a couple of weeks, our church is going to turn 13 years old. We're going to be a teenager. And Dave was talking, we're doing a different thing. Our birthday party's not about tacos and uh, celebrating together. I know that's tough. We'll do that another day. Uh, the birthday party is now an outreach instead of an inreach. It's going to reach people, the lost, and those that need it because we believe that our county needs help and God has told us that our church is going to be a, 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 a blessing to this county. And so one of the things we're doing is opening up our church. But here's, what I, here's my point. I believe this summer is going to be monumental for us, literally monumental. And it's not just because of the outreach and some of the things we're going to do at Heritage Day, but it's the men's gatherings that we're going to be doing on Saturdays a couple times a month. And it's the women gathering. And it's having nights of, of, of God's presence in, in, on, on Saturday nights. We've got a couple of things that I'm going to start promoting here in the future. But we are wanting to gather and, and, and get into the presence of God and watch him move. I've been, uh, uh, this week I went through the book of Acts in like a day and a half, which has got, uh, you know, 20 plus chapters, 28 chapters. And in it, constantly I said there was upper, upper room moments of prayer and in the presence of God. And I believe this is going to be a big one. And it starts for us understanding forgiveness. What do you believe about forgiveness? What do you know about forgiveness? Where do you need to have forgiveness? Where do you need to be forgiven? Where are you living in an unforgiving heart? All of those questions I want to ask today. And I hope that the Holy Spirit will kind of uh, stir that up. Here's what the psalmist David writes. He writes a lot of psalms. And here's what he says about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Listen to this verse. Uh, it's a prayer of David. 86.5 says this. Oh Lord, you are so good. The response is all the time. Lord, you are so good all the time. And so ready to forgive. So full of said. Jeremy talked about that last week. And failing love for all who seek help. This is the idea of what God wants to do. First of all, he's good all the time. Secondly, he's ready to what? forgive you for what you have done last night three nights ago three years ago 30 years ago 
And he also has forgiven the person that has offended you and hurt you last night, three nights ago, and 30 years ago. He's ready to forgive all of us. And he's full of this unfailing love, even the people that are your enemies he loves. And the last part, he says he wants to help. And so today I believe you're here because you're going to receive help. And some of us have some really tough places of unforgiveness that we need to forgive. And there have been strongholds in my life and I continue to work on them and so that's what we're going to do today is talk about forgiveness so let's pray Father I pray today that your spirit is strong and steadfast I pray that someone here hears a message and I pray that there is what happened on first service where a few experience freedom and blessing because of seeking you and forgiving the things of this world that happened to us and so, Father, because you are good and because you are Lord, we seek you and love you. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. That's for my brother, Juventino in Mexico. We're grateful that you've joined us online. And today we're going to open up to Psalm 32. Now, here's the thing about Psalm 32. I was taught a long time ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm really one that struggles with rules. But I was told a long time ago, hey, there's a preface. You got to read the preface and the beginning parts. And I'm like... Dude, that's just wasted space. I'm not a good reader, so it's just extra pages. I just want to get through the book. But I learned that you got to read the preface and the beginning part. And in the beginning, it tells us some things. It says, Psalm 32, a psalm of David. It denotes who David or who wrote the psalm. And in some of your translations, there's this Hebrew word, mezcal. And it's not the little mezcal that you drink in Mexico. It's a different one. Some of you giggling know exactly what that is, and that's not good. Hopefully you haven't had the worm experience, but this mezcal is different, and the idea here is it's this Hebrew word for contemplation. What is contemplation? It's meditating, thinking, dealing with, kind of putting it before you. And so that's what we're talking about here today is David wants to instruct us. He wants us to contemplate, and there's some moments of meditation. Here's something really interesting for you that love the Bible and love how intricate the Bible is, is it connects. Psalm 51 connects to Psalm 32. If you don't know Psalm 51, it has this in it. It says, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. And that's the Psalm of Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart so that I can be right with you. That's the idea, and we'll get to that at the end. But Psalm 51 was written because King David had an affair with Bathsheba. And he was too embarrassed to tell her husband, hey, dude, I, I, I slept with your wife, and now she's pregnant. So he killed her, or him. And then, while she was pregnant, he kind of went on as his business. And then, uh, a year later, he had to have this revelation, man, my heart is dirty, and I need to clean myself up. And then he teaches us in Psalm 32 what he learned from that experience. And that's where we begin today. So uh, let's begin. Psalm 32 says this. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven and whose sin is put out, uh, put out of sight. That's where we begin today. And here's the idea. 
this, this word, uh, one of the things I love, I, I teach out of the New Living Translation, not because I think it's the best translation, but it's the easiest to read, and I'm dyslexic. Number two, it spells out some of the actual definitions of Hebrew and Greek in it, and it's the easiest to listen to from the pulpit. And so, not that I, you know, it's just one of those things. But it, in here, it tells us what the actual meaning, the word that you see in most of the translations says blessedness. It's this plural word for blessed. It's a double blessing. Let me give you an example of what a double blessing is. You go to Thrifty's Ice Cream. Who loves Thrifty's Ice Cream? So good. Double chocolate crunch? Yeah, let's do that for lunch today. So it's going to Thrifty's and getting a scoop of ice cream and saying, I'll take one scoop, and the guy puts on three scoops. You're like, yes, Jesus. It's double joy. Right? You got one or you ordered one and you got three and you're like, thank you, God. I know you love me. It's a mountain of joy. And so, oh, what is joyful here? The question is, as you're reading this, what's joyful? It's joyful for those whose disobedience is what? Forgiven. That's the double blessing. So what does to forgive mean? Forgiveness is a couple of things. Number one, it's to wipe a slate clean. Let me give you an example. Zeke's actually here in the room today, so it'll help understand it. So uh, we were doing this planning at our, at our staff meeting a couple of weeks ago, and Zeke's Jeremy and Tara's son, he's sitting over here. And we had this whiteboard in the office, and on this whiteboard was the country fair all planned out, all the details scribbled out on it. And then Zeke went in and wiped off the whiteboard, and all that planning went away in a second. And that's what God does to your sin. Your dirty whiteboard that's full of sin and things that you've done, if you truly believe in him and accept him, he wipes off that whiteboard for you and he cleans it up for your glory. Isn't that beautiful? The second thing is he pardons. Hopefully none of you have needed some pardoning. Unfortunately, I have. But he pardons the sin. It means that you go in and you feel guilty and you're pardoned. The third one is that he pays a debt. Who doesn't want to pay their mortgage this month? So let's pay that debt. And it gets paid for. Every month I'm like, maybe the Lord will pardon it this time. Doesn't always happen. But the idea here is that he pardons the debt. So that's the idea of forgiveness. Last week, Jeremy talked about Psalm 1 in, in his message. He talked about two Psalms, but he said, he tells us there's one way to be blessed. There's one way. And Psalm 1 is one of those ways. If you know it, it says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, don't stand in the path of the sinners, but delight in, the, in, in God's word, delight in the Lord's law, the law of the land. This is it. That's what he says. That's one way to be blessed. And then he says at the end of it, contemplate that day and night. Live like that. Psalm 1 is the beginning of all the Psalms, and it wants us to contemplate on what God is doing. But... If you're like me, if you fail to walk correctly and you fall into sin like we all have sin, if you fail to walk correctly and fall into sin, there's another way to be blessed, and that's what Psalm 32 was written for. There's another way to be blessed, and it's by making a confession and seeking forgiveness. Let's talk a little bit about sin before we dig into the rest of the text. In 1 John uh, 
John writes this about sin he says if we claim to have no sin we are only fooling ourselves and we aren't living in the truth listen all of us have fallen short that's what the Bible says all of us have sinned and in that we all need to be in a place of forgiveness and seek forgiveness if we have sinned there is that the second part is uh, Psalm 51 that Psalm that's connected here says all sin is ultimately an act of rebellion against God and so the idea here is that the blood of Jesus Christ washes us so that we can no longer be a rebel against God but we can be connected and we can work on that broken relationship that God has in us so verse 2 says this it says yes what joy for those whose record uh, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt and who lives or whose lives are lived in complete honesty what joy again a double portion for those that have their life forgiven their whiteboard clean again David is trying to get to us and our attention and teach us about the forgiveness of all sin sin is either against God or other humans and we are forgiven by that so whether they're big or small God doesn't judge sin like humans do right he doesn't care he judges them all the same way. And so whether they're big and small, uh, advert, inadvertent, which means just accidental, or if they were well thought out, God does forgive each and every sin. And forgiveness of sin is only found in God and Christ alone. That's the beauty of it. When you forgive, it's a blessing, it's a joy, because God has worked deeply within your heart. When God cleans your slate, pardons you, washes your debt, you then get to live honestly. I don't know about you, one of the biggest things that I've learned in the last 20 years uh, is to be an honest person. I'm not necessarily an honest person by nature. The only way that I can be honest is through the grace of God. And that's what the Bible teaches us is to learn to live an honest life and get your heart right and clean so that you can live the way that God wants you to live. So what does that mean? Well, we all have a part in forgiveness. My wife, we were talking yesterday as we were on a little date day uh, at Universal uh, City Walk, and we were driving and we were talking about the message, and she was talking about our kids. We raised three girls, so we had three girls. So there was a lot of unforgiving spirits in the house. You guys there? So you got these girls. There's all kinds of cattiness, and they're all angry at each other. And I can see Liz going, okay, no matter what, you own one part, and she owns 99. You still need to seek forgiveness. And there was this reconciliation. And that's the idea of forgiveness. You might have somebody offend you and hurt you, and they did 99%, but you still need to forgive them for, their, for your 1% that you did. That's just part how life happens. And that's one of the things that God does. I was talking and my friend Sue came up to me after the message and, and in John 20 verse 23 says, if you forgive anyone's sins, uh, th then your sins are forgiven. If you don't, then you're not. And so there's this intertwine between I've got to forgive so that I can be forgiven otherwise there's this tension and that brings me to one of the main points today is this the beauty of Jesus Christ is forgiveness is freely given the, the, I don't like to call Christianity a religion if you look in the website it says oh Jeff and I'm super hip and cool I'm a follower of Jesus I'm not a religious person and uh, that's so cool right thanks you guys for being really encouraging on that um, 
because here's the thing about religion religion has a lot of man-made stuff in it when I hear religion I think of man-made when I think of Christianity I think relationship made and that the forgiveness comes freely because you didn't do nothing God did everything and so you all you have to do is put your hands out so put your hands out and say thank you and you receive that and that's all you've got to do it's receiving a gift and then you get a chance to give it away so forgiveness is freely received and freely given away verse 3 when I refuse to confess my sins who's stubborn in the room wow first service was so horrible there was like three people and one was like and I'm like that's the most stubborn person in the church and they're like this Good for you guys. You didn't make the top three. So it says when you, as David writes, when you refuse to confess my sin, that means you like to hold on to it a little bit. Oh, well, that's my character defect. I want to hold on to that for a little bit. No, that's actually holding you. David writes, when my body wastes away and I groan all day long, because now he's referring to this painful place of holding on to something that's just destroying you from the inside out. Your soul needs help. He says, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't work. I can't move. I've got this thing dragging me down, and it feels like I'm drowning in this life. And basically, my strength is evaporated like a water on the summer day. Now, we haven't got to summer yet, though we're almost through June, but we'll get there one day. It might be next year. We're having what we call a summer of San Francisco, where we're having cloudy days all day. But do you remember? Remember the old days like last year when you put water on the ground and it would evaporate in a few minutes? That's what David is talking about. It reminds me of a dry desert. You guys ever been to like Elsinore, which is a dry desert? This is what David's like. There's like used to be water, but now it's evaporated up and it's dry. It's parched. It's this weary wasteland. David remembers, as I do, and maybe you do as well, what it's like to live in this unrepented lifestyle of sin. This dry, desert, waterless area. Lacking the things that you need to have a quality life. God's discipline, David said, was weighing on him heavy. Have you ever been there? Man, it's horrible. And it usually only gets horrible when you try to get closer to God and the enemy wants to kind of strangle you mentally so you never get to that place of freedom. After verse 3 and 4, there's an interlude. In some of your translations, it says Selah. In the New Living Translation, it says interlude. What does that mean? It means to pause, to praise, reflect, Meditate what you just heard. The joys of those that have been forgiven and how tough it is to live in an unforgiving place. Pause, reflect. And as we talk about this, I want to talk to you guys about a guy named St. Augustine. In the Catholic Church, he's a saint. And uh, Augustine has a, a huge... Um, resume of things that he's done in the fourth century. He became a Christian, I think, in 36, uh, 368 AD. He became a Christian. And anyways, he's kind of one of the fathers of doctrine, and he just has a bunch of work that he's done for the church. But the reason why I'm bringing him up, he put this psalm on his bedroom wall 
and every time he woke up and every time he went to bed he actually looked at Psalm 33 and he did it because it was a place to pause, reflect and praise God and so that's what we're talking about here today is Augustine's like hey man I love this psalm it was his favorite psalm and he wanted to uh, use this each and every day and so super cool and the reason why we put a pause there is because the next verse, David writes, is really the, the, the theme or the capstone of the whole psalm today and says this. Finally, finally, David writes, finally something has occurred. Finally, he says, I've confessed all my sins to you, Lord. And what has he done? He stopped trying to hide my guilt. One of the things that happens when we come clean with God and live this honest life, my guilt is, is, is washed away, my sin is set free, and I finally can come before the Lord and live in this honest life. I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. You forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. That's exactly what David is talking about. There is goodness in the confession and the forgiveness of sin. It's like therapy. I don't know if you guys realize how parched our souls can get apart from God. They get like that dry ground we just saw, and that's what David is trying to communicate. Many of our souls are in this wasteland, but we walk in this world acting like everything's okay. But your soul is dry and thirsty and it needs therapy. And one of the ways that we learn from that is confessing, hey, this is hindering me and the freedom of God then comes into your life and there's forgiveness and then you have this launching pad. And that's what happened to me when I communicated to my daughter's mom. There's three great lies that the enemy likes to bring to Christians and Christianity. One of them is about forgiveness. One of the great lies that we see is that we are not truly forgiven. One of the things that the Satan deceives us is that I'm not saved. And one of the unbeliefs, another form of deception, is that Jesus really didn't resurrect. So those are the three great lies Satan does in our life. One of them comes to this place of like, well, I'm truly not forgiven. Do you know what I've done in, in my past? What I did last night, what I did three nights, what I did uh, three years or 30 years later? And, 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 the, and there's this torment by saying, oh man, I am such a wretch that no way God could really forgive everything. I'm not even like that. There's no character in the Bible like me. And I'm like, I promise you there is. I promise you there's plenty of characters. But the, the idea is that you don't find yourself in the Bible as a character. The idea is that you find God in the Bible that's big enough to save you from your sin. So there's this idea of this perpetual cycle of unforgiveness mentality. You know the recycle symbol that's got the three arrows and it's just like, oh, you turn in your bottles and you get money and then they build it to something else. It's the same idea with unforgiveness. It's this perpetual cycle. It's like anybody here old enough for dial-up? You would log in and come back an hour later and it's making these weird noises. And you're like, maybe it connected? Like, oh, let's try again. And you'd walk away and do laundry and do dishes. Those of you guys that don't know that, there was this thing called the internet that was way earlier and it was a lot harder to log on to only 20 years ago. And you guys have no idea what Wi-Fi is like because we had to connect to something very serious. That's what happens when we are in this unforgiveness mentality. We're stuck 
and we're just spinning like we can't stream anymore and it never goes anywhere and it starts to get frustrating it's a block to growth when forgiveness occurs there's a weight or heaviness lifted a couple of weeks ago it's been like four weeks now um, I've been blessed to be a part of uh, to go to a ministry called Hidden Manna uh, it's a ministry about um, inner healing it's on our website in the resource section if you're interested look it up or go to the information table and we'll get you connected but in this hidden manna experience I was looking back at something that happened to me as a child and I was forgiving and as I was saying these words of forgiveness like there was like this this sensation of like things lifting from my body and it was not like this heavy lifting it was just like this spiritual thing and it was this movement to heaven and after I did this it was like I could move forward in my life I could grow because I wasn't stuck in this perpetual mindset of these things that have happened to me as a human being God doesn't want that for us he doesn't want you living in unforgiveness he wants you to live in a spirit of freedom after verse 5 guess what happens there's another pause a reflection a place of contemplation is like what do you really need to work on in your place of forgiveness stop hiding start confessing and start working on the glory that God has for you so let's pause for a sec I'll take a quick tea break you know how awkward that is for some people I was actually going to wait another 30 minutes, seconds, I and mean, not 30 minutes, but, but some people, Skinner's just calling, say something, I will say something if you don't. But God wants us to learn to meditate, to hide, and stop hiding and confessing and start growing in Jesus Christ. Verse 6, therefore, everything that was said for the first five verses, therefore, now connects us to these last few verses. Let all the godly pray to you while there is still time like do you guys realize time is running out you guys act like it just goes on forever it doesn't if you've lost somebody recently you realize time doesn't go on forever right it's precious and he says therefore while time there is still time that may, they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Who likes infomercials? Huh, really? Nate, you're an infomercial girl. Wow. I've never heard that before. Congratulations. You won a prize. Cause, uh, so you go to an infomercial, and the infomercial says, Act now. Call 888-555-1212. Here's the website. I say it again. Act now. What is he saying? David's like, Act now. Don't live in despair or darkness anymore. Act now. There's an opportunity for you to have freedom. Why are you waiting another day? You aren't guaranteed another breath or another day. All you have is today. Act now. Don't drown in this judgment that comes from this world, but seek the saving, forgiving grace of Jesus Christ and let his life transform you. There is a greater reason than to seek Jesus and have confidence that he may be available to you each and every time you seek him. 
Sometimes when we live in unforgiveness, we feel like God's not available. I'm a, this, this dirty, wretched human being and God doesn't want to answer my prayers. He's not returning my emails. He's not answering my texts. Every time I call, he doesn't answer. That's who I am and that's what God does. And that's just not true. God is answering prayers. It just not, might not be in the way that you see him. When you find God and God's not lost, you're lost. When he's available, there's this opportunity for an intimate connection with him. And I believe someone here today will have that intimate connection by the end of the service. Not because it's me and I'm saying anything because I believe the spirit of God is speaking to someone's heart right now and wanting to bring them to this place. Again, guess what happens after verse 7 and 8, or 6 and 7, another break. A moment of pause. If you read this correctly, you would sit and stop, and you would reflect and not speak. And let the Spirit speak. God is my hiding place. God is my song of victory. Do you guys have any songs that you sing that are a song of victory? I got a couple of them, but recently, about four weeks ago, this isn't, uh, a lot of songs that we'd like to sing in church aren't necessarily great songs to worship, but, because uh, some of them are like eight to ten minutes now, they go on for like ever. Uh, but there's a song that I've been singing, it's called uh, Fear Is Not My Future. It's a song that I have in my playlist. And in this song, it really reminds me what David is teaching us in this psalm. At this point of this song, it starts out, Hello peace, hello joy, hello love, hello strength, hello hope. It's what? It's a new horizon. When you allow the glory of God to come into your life, when you're willing to let go and let God in, and you give him this moment of interchange where you kind of confess and he responds, there's hope and there's love and there's a new horizon. And at the very end of the song, the lyrics change to something different. It says, goodbye fear, goodbye guilt, goodbye shame, goodbye pain, goodbye grave. What? It's a new horizon. When you allow yourself to experience the glory of God and that you can receive his forgiveness and not believe it's a lie, you then can say goodbye guilt, goodbye pain, goodbye grave that I used to live. There's a new horizon that Christ has in me. Thank you. Verse 8. The Lord says. Now, I don't know what your Bible looks like, but when the Lord says, what should you do? Either pay attention or underline it, because why? The Lord is saying something. That's pretty brilliant theology right there. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, and I will advise you and watch over you. There's this protection. Don't be like a senseless, any horses or mules in this place? <laughs> We'll let that sit for a second and kind of, I've seen a couple selfies before. They look very familiar than this. Do not be like a senseless mule or horse that needs a bit or bridle to keep you under control. What is God saying? Uh, a couple weeks ago, we did this, sermon, uh, did this sermon on influence. Do you realize there's four or five people that you've allowed in your life to influence you? 
kids, family, parents, whatever. However, there's a group of people, there are only four or five that you really allow yourself, and there's really only two or three. Hopefully, you also have God influencing you, but there's a few people that are influencing you. And every time I read this verse, I ask myself, Jeff, who's influencing you? I've got a, a, a beautiful wife and I've got some girls and some, some friends. They're definitely influencing me. But the question is, God is saying, uh, I will guide you. Uh, when I came to Camarillo over 20 years ago, or right around 20 years ago, I didn't necessarily think I was going to be a pastor. Actually, I had no idea that I was going to be a pastor. That wasn't part of mine. I was, I was thinking maybe I'll grow up to be an elder of the church, maybe do announcements like Dave did today, maybe be an usher or go on missions trips and really be, honestly, this is going to sound super weird. I wanted to be a, 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 a provider or a tither to the church. I wanted to make a lot of money and be one of those people that just put money into the coffers constantly. That's what I felt like God wanted me to do. But God had other plans. Uh, Proverbs 16.9, you guys have heard this many times. We make plans, Jeff makes plans, but the Lord determines our steps. He wanted me to become a missionary in Camarillo and reach people for the lost, and we're doing it through Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays, and that's his plan for us. The, the, the second part of this is really interesting. It says, don't be like those who are senseless. The actual word means absurd or irrational. Anybody know any people like that? Now, when I say that, I'm not thinking about who you're talking to on social media. I'm thinking that you should be looking at yourself because when I read this, it, it's like a mirror. The Bible is a mirror, not a looking glass. It's a mirror to who I am and what I am. And so God is saying, don't be senseless, Jeff. Not don't be senseless, Ray or Mary or Sarah or Jim or Sally. Definitely not you, Ben or Ben. He's saying, look at me. Don't be senseless. He uses this example of a horse and a mule because they are not easily guided. Are, are, who's tough to guide here? Yeah, I am too. My family has to do suggestions because I'm one of these. They need a bit and bridle because they sometimes need rigorous training before the master can use them. Many of us in this room that don't follow very well need that so that you can be guided and over time you can be trained and then be useful. A lot of us are not being useful because you won't be guided. 